FIG Ministry presents the Catholic Influencers Podcast. Join me, Alyssa Aegis, and my co-hosts, Father Rob Gallia and Justine Cumbo, as we break open the upcoming Sunday Mass readings and discuss relevant topics and life issues from a Catholic perspective. For a shorter, more reflective explanation of the Sunday Mass readings, be sure to check out our sister podcast, Catholic Influencers, Father Rob Gallia Homilies. Hola, amigos. Ooh, hey. Spanish, nice. Welcome to episode 12. Yeah. Pretty we're insane. Deep, deep into it. We're, we're towards the end, I think. So we are approaching the end. You can see 16. the light. <laughs> how does it work? Sort of, we have how many episodes per season? We kind of go 16 to 20. Yeah, 16 to 20. And then we take a break and then we come back with new, yeah. uh, new and fresh and new and stuff. So we're <laughs> so well over the halfway point. Amazing. Amazing. And we love it. We, we, um, we, Work hard for it, and I I feel like I really grow and learn through the podcast. Yes, um, I I was studying yesterday for the podcast, and I just at a moment there was a moment I was just like, I had to stop and start praising God. You know, wow. it was just like one of those moments where we come, yeah, to understand the love of God and the the depth of God's love, um, through study. I was never a study person. I mean, I, I was, was a nerd. Yeah, yeah I was going to study. Alyssa's the study person. Whether I was good at study is a whole other question. I also want to say, if you're tuning into this podcast for the first time, episode 12, I'm so glad that yeah. you Welcome. joined us. Welcome. How cool is that? Part of the family. Exactly. Wish I could give you some snacks. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, we don't even have snacks here. We should. We should have uh, at least uh, have we're some We're two more. seasons <laughs> in. For the next season, <laughs> snacks. Snacks. <laughs> snacks included. Oh but it's um, always... Uh, we come from different parts, different journeys. Even when we came here this morning, one of us, I won't mention who, has just come back from an exotic holiday. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's coming Not back me. into the zone as well. So I'm going to do my best, guys. <laughs> you do. Yeah, she's still on, she's still on, on the beach in the Bahamas. <laughs> oh, gosh. So here's a question for you. Um, I'm, I don't know if I've, I've experienced so much pain in my life, but here's a question. How much, what is... The most pain that you have ever experienced in your life. I just want to know how you think of these things. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> what mood well, were you I in just when <laughs> you had this deep melancholic <laughs> moment? Well, I probably it came from the, there was a birth, and I was just thinking, my goodness, I would never be able to to bear that, and that, so that's where that thought came from. I <laughs> wow. thought, I like if there was someone here who had babies, then that's well tap out. No, yeah, that's not even worth discussing. <laughs> Get out of here. Look incomparable to uh giving birth my most recent um encounter with immense pain was um budgie budgies right you yeah, know those little birds. birds cute ones in their little cages you know innocent yeah not so innocent i was at a friend's <laughs> house oh they gosh. escaped i was like yeah oh i had budgie when i was a kid i know how to handle budgies call me a zookeeper you know I grabbed it and far out the jaws of that budgie <laughs> clenched onto my finger and the pain. I tell you what, and I had like indents for like three hours afterwards, drew blood. Oh my Vicious. goodness. They're That's cro- like crocodiles. Yeah. Crocodiles of the air. Okay, Those so there you go. And anyone can compare, compete no, with that. Can't. No, you <laughs> can't. No. We have our, our cameraman who's suffered some serious pain. We won't talk about that, but he's just laughing at your pain <laughs> yeah, right <yeah>. now. <laughs> he's a bit of a superhero, though. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I have anything yeah. that I can think of. I, I feel like if it was an immense pain, 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 you would remember it, right? 
Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe. I Unless it was repressed. I fractured my arm. Oh, well, that's. Painful. I fell out of a hammock when I was twelve. <laughs> oh, <laughs> look, <laughs> it was you a lot so of pain. You are so bougie. <laughs> 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 fell out of a hammock. Were you in Hawaii? <laughs> no, <laughs> I was in Rosebud, everybody. Okay, <laughs> that's a nice, also a very beautiful holiday place in Australia. Oh, my mind's very holiday. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Yeah. Well, the most pain I experienced that I can remember, I've broken a few bones, but the worst was when I broke my little toe i was wearing like flip-flops thongs and i was in italy and i i was with another priest who's a, a great friend of mine and he was wearing these like industrial boots oh or whatever gosh, oh gosh. and we we're walking and i was walking behind him and he stopped and i kept walking into him and i kicked the back of his shoe oh. and i just collapsed with the pain and i passed out and threw up oh wow okay <laughs> <laughs> i just want you to know for the record i had to try so hard to withhold my laughter when you said your little toe and you were wearing flip-flops i'm well, sorry <laughs> well i have experience and then another time i went for like electrotherapy you know like they put electrodes into your muscles to relax the muscles okay. so this is not um what do you call acupuncture. Not, no not acupuncture yeah. so this basically they put needles in to shock the the muscle which is painful but not it's bearable and then they release it and then your muscle sort of relaxes but they injected one of them into my nerves oh. <laughs> and i passed out i didn't feel much pain but i spent a, a week in bed wow. that time yeah anyway wow. so the, 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 oh, there's wow. pains for for you let's listen to our uh, in the in the light of pain um we'll listen to one of our sponsors this production would not be possible without the support of our frg ministry partners and donors your ongoing support ensures that our online masses online courses podcasts tv programs school youth and parish outreaches continue to reach millions of people across the world Please prayerfully consider giving a one-off donation or becoming an ongoing ministry partner and join us in our mission to share the love of Jesus and his message of hope to the ends of the earth. Find out more at frgministry.com slash donate. So we're going to jump straight into breaking open the second reading for this upcoming Sunday. It's the sixth Sunday of Easter and our reading comes from the book of Revelation. It's chapter 21 verses 10 to 14, and then 22 to 23. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. I did not see a temple in the city, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb is its lamp. There's so much symbolism, and I think it's a sort of a, a conspiracy theorist's <laughs> um, paradise here. Mm -hmm. So there's so many things that you can allude to, so many things that you think um, that God is saying. But we, first of all, need to start by understanding that we never know for sure what these symbols mean. 
the, the book of Revelation is not to give us a clear understanding of what heaven is. It's meant to be transcendent. So it's meant to be like that we cannot comprehend all of the symbolism that we, when we go to heaven, it will start to make sense for us. Mm-hmm. But always everything has to be in the light of the Old Testament, everything in the light of the resurrection, and everything also in the light of our lived out experience within the, the, the resurrection. Mm-hmm. So coming to this. So th- we come to this beautiful revelation, um, uh, uh, which begins on a mountain. Tell us about the mountain. Mountains are nice places. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> super important in yes, scripture. Totally. And and that was just the first little thing that came to my mind. Um, you know, this scripture opens with, he carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain. And if you recall, there are moments in um, the Old and New Testament where um, we know that when something important is about to happen, God ushers people or leads people to a mountaintop. Yes, they're so a place yeah. of encounter with God. They're a place where God is about to drop a bomb, you know, yes, or yes. reveal something quite significant. And so here we are again. We're on a mountaintop and just kind of waiting for what God is going to reveal. So like great revelations from Ezekiel when he listened to the um, to the the whisper of, of God on the mountain to where we have um, Moses who got the Ten Commandments on a mountain and Jesus as well spent some time on a mountain and he would spend time often on a hill or on a mountain to listen to the voice of God so that he could and Moses could and Ezekiel could become the mouthpiece of God. Mm -hmm. And the question I ask is how much time do I spend on the mountain listening to the voice of God before I get back down again and become the mouthpiece of God? See? It's so cool. It's almost like they had um <laughs> these old school old school mobile phones, and the reception is always better on a mountaintop. <laughs> yeah. It's like always sketchy when you're in kind of walking up the mountain, but you get <laughs> to the mountaintop and you've got that clear reception. And it's like they had that connection with God, that clarity, that strong connection with God at the top of a, a mountaintop. I like that image. How much time are we spending on the mountaintop? And the mountaintop could be your couch at home. Yes, but but you you are. Climbing a mountain in your heart, you mm-hmm. know, becoming available in your heart. It could be as you're walking, as you're on the bus or the train. Like I, I know someone whose mountaintop is is in the um, pantry, like it's in the larder. It's the place because that's the only place they can ha- they, they have young kids. <laughs> no, they have kids. Oh, that, that's the that's only place awesome. that they're on the toilet. You know, and the, that's the only place they. That is their mountaintop. Yeah, you know, the it's place funny. It sounds funny, but man, like God is God. He'll yes. meet you there. Yes. And he finds some pretty random places. It's reminding me of this movie, The War Room. Have you seen it? It's a Christian movie and this woman, it's like a closet. And she goes in the closet and she writes all her prayer requests on sticky notes. Oh. Wow. And she prays and like that's the place where she inca- – that's like – That's her mountaintop. It's her wardrobe. That's her mountaintop. I love yeah. that. Mm. So where's your mountaintop? You know, like this is the thing we need to question about. How much time are you spending in your mountaintop? I have a little um, sort of alfresco area where I live and it's uh, just a glass room. That for me is my mountaintop. It's the place where I hide the place where I pray first thing in the morning and before I go to sleep. And it's also the place where I relax. I like my little whiskey every now and then. (laughs) After (laughs) the prayer time. time. (laughs) I'm coming back down from the mountain. (laughs) That's beautiful. But yeah, so finding a prayer space as well that we can call our mountaintop, that's uh, that's such a beautiful place. But then once you come to this mountain, he's revealed and he comes to this place where there are a lot of gates. I mean, 12 gates. Why would you need 12 gates into a city? must be a big city or... Security, yes. <laughs> and uh, but why twelve gates? Why would you need twelve gates into a city? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it comes from the Old Testament. First of all, it's the the twelve tribes of Israel, the twelve leaders of Israel, the twelve apostles. 
You see, these were the, the, the gates of, of heaven. So the 12 apostles were the people who really became the gates, the bishops, the place into the, the kingdom of God, the one who set the teachings, the one who um, gave the experience of God, who directed, who shepherded the people of, of God into the kingdom of God. And that's what the tribes of Israel have done. But it also shows the universality of, of the church universality of the entrance that there are and don't get me wrong here that there are many ways into the kingdom of god not just one way but i want to qualify that it doesn't mean that all ways are equal it doesn't mean that all roads lead to heaven because all roads don't jesus said it's a narrow road that that gets you to heaven but we'll talk about how these different roads these different gates can lead us to heaven some people i guess some people come to god through their mind Yes. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. <laughs> so Sorry, <laughs> I'm still on the island. <laughs> just keep so, talking. I'm listening. Well, look, let me try. While I was studying this, it's sort of just um, the, these things that I I was reading a commentary, but it sort of made sense. I tried to apply it to life. Um, so there he talks about 12 gates. So he says that there are three in the east, three in the north, three in the south, and three in the west. So three in the east. These are this is one of the ways that people come to Christ. Okay, so three in the east. Well, what is what happens in the east? The sun rises in the east. It's the place where there is an, a sort of an, an enlightening, an encounter, an upbringing. So those people who have sort of an upbringing with um, Jesus through family, for example, they're brought up in a Catholic home, they're nourished, and then they end up in the faith, and they end up following Jesus because of family, because of their upbringing, because of the rising in the east then you have the three in the north this is the opposite you see so this is where the cold wind comes from the cold chill comes from and, and it's a, a place where not necessarily has emotion or upbringing but it is a place of intellect it's a place where we come and through the facts through study we come to encounter christ we come into the kingdom of god for example saint ignatius saint augustine they all came to know um, uh, and uh, what's his name saint um I forgot. There are so many things. <laughs> <Yes>, Philip <laughs> Mary and uh, anyway, so many good. Tom, not Thomas More. What Aquinas? Uh, Aquinas. Thomas yeah. Aquinas um, came through through the intellect. Okay, so encountering God through the through the intellect, and then you have three in the south. Now the south is where the warm wind comes from. It's the place of the heart. You know, people come through emotion, through an encounter, a youth group or whatever, a retreat, and they come to this encounter with Christ or through their parish, through their church, through whatever. And they come this warm and they run to the cross. And from that moment, they, they continue to follow Christ. So that is three from the south. But and then also three from the west, which is the land of the dying day. It's the sunset. It's the place where people come to meet Jesus in their last moment. As we pray in the Hail Mary, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. It's like the person on the cross with Jesus who says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The our last moment coming to encounter Christ. I just love the way you explained that. Like yeah. I never would have pulled that from the scripture, but it is so true because mm. there are so many ways that we can come to God. And I know me, like I, was, I wasn't a feelings person. I was more a mind person. And I always thought, maybe I'm not doing it right. But that's such no, an encouragement. Yeah. Like it, there are so many ways that we can come to God. And I love it. We come to experience all of these, you know, yes. like they're all four. But the way we come to into the kingdom of God is usually one of those four ways. Yeah, And I think I started out with, um, I was an upbringing one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but then there was a point where I, I needed it to become my own, mm -hmm. yes. you know, and God was inviting me to accept him. 
personally for myself. And so then I definitely had that emotional experience. But that experience really opened up questions. I'm like, well, I want to know more. Yes. And so I'd, I read so much and I talked about it so much. And so I was walking through all these gates, you know. Yes. Um, and it's so important, like, as you say, all of them working together, I think, produce and grow a really mature faith in Christ, a deep intimacy with christ yes and this is the thing is sometimes we walk in and we walk out and this is the reality True. we do walk out and then we we get to experience god's love again so and this is the mercy this is the mercy of the cross you know and uh, where we get to experience the holy of holies but what are you walking into you see when we walk into the kingdom of god we're walking under into the lordship of christ as we often spoke about we even have a course on what the kingdom of god is and and this is just a quick ad so the encounter courses dot com <laughs> <laughs> so with what the kingdom of god means but we come into this place of of encounter which is the place of, in a sense of refuge but it's also a place of battle where we have to every day choose to stay there in the presence of god yeah. be heavenly minded and and stay focused in the presence of god yeah, I think that's a really beautiful invitation for any of our listeners today. I think just that walking out of the gates, maybe you have previously been really into your faith and you feel like you've walked away. This is this is your reminder today to to turn around. It's not too late to yes. to run to the Father, particularly in this season of Easter. Um, we're speaking to you. I'm speaking to myself. Um, it's not too late and God is waiting for you with open arms to come back, um, come back to him. Yeah. Well, speaking of the mind, there's two things I want to talk about pulling out of this scripture. So this scripture is basically, it's one of John's final visions and it's a symbolic explanation of the new Jerusalem. So two things about this. The first thing is that this fulfills one of Ezekiel's visions in the Old Testament about the future temple. And so John is seeing its fulfillment in this vision. Um, and if you want to look that verse up, it's Ezekiel 40, um, verse number two. But the second thing as well is that this presentation of the new jerusalem it's like a contrast of another vision that john was given in some previous chapters mm. so it's chapters 17 to 19 where john gets a vision of babylon and we can tell it's a contrast because the same language is used in this vision of babylon as there is in this vision of jerusalem and so this kind of language is come here i will show you he took me in the spirit these these words are all repeated but it's very different because the vision of babylon it was showing like a really corrupt and immoral um, kind of city. And Jerusalem is like radiant and pure. And so um, it's, it's meant to be a vision of like the bride of the lamb. So the question, and I guess the question we can put to you is which city are you going to choose? Are you going to yeah. choose this ba city of Babylon or the city of the Jerusalem? And this will be a theme also over the next few weeks about choosing sort of the, the city of God as opposed to the city of the world, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it is a battle. It's a tug of war. It's always tug of war. And Jesus says as well, and this, I forget which scripture he says, I place before you life and death, choose life, mm -hmm. choose life. And God always gives us this opportunity to choose him. And, but it's not easy. It isn't easy. It's a battle. And just because you chose life five years ago, doesn't mean you yeah. still choose life mm -hmm. today. So it's about choosing, um, choosing the city of God with your wedding dress as he, he gives it, this, the bride, and even if your wedding dress is stained and dirty and, and torn to pieces, just battle in, get into one of these gates because we all need to get into the kingdom of God where God invites us to love him and to serve him. Encounter by FRG Ministry presents our online subscription package. As a member, you will receive digital on-demand access to Encounter's growing library of online courses. Encounter and Encounter Youth online courses cover teaching, devotional and practical elements of the Catholic faith, 
to help individuals, teachers, students and parishes across the world grow in their faith and understanding of the Catholic Church and their relationship with Jesus Christ. Current titles include Knowing Mary, School of Prayer, Introduction to the Bible, The Mass and more, with new courses being added regularly. All Encounter courses include high-definition videos with expert and engaging speakers, testimonies from everyday Catholics, and downloadable content including interactive PDF guides, prayer cards, and wallpapers. These courses are also accredited for professional development for Catholic education staff in Australia. All Encounter Youth courses include teaching videos, interactive student and teacher PDFs with lesson plans, and guided prayer and reflection. For more information about enrolment and subscription options, head to www.encountercourses.com slash subscription. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at Encounter Courses. This is a very, very special reality check. We have a wonderful interview for you. And this interview is about unity, about Christian unity. And we have a special guest from Alpha Australia to lead us and, and to be interviewed so that we can learn about what it means to live in Christian unity. Well, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Hugh Warmanhoven to the Catholic Influencers podcast. Thank you so much for joining us, Hugh. Justine, it is so awesome to be a part of this. I love, love what Catholic Influencers is doing, and I think it's such a blessing and a privilege to be able to share today. Oh, thank you. Thanks for, for jumping on board. Um, a bit of context for our listeners, um, Hugh and I have been around the, the similar youth ministry stomping ground for the last couple of years. And I really feel like we've known each other since birth. <laughs> so it's been really cool to see how even though we're, you know, have been working for different youth ministries across Australia, that at some points our paths have crossed. And it's just been really cool to sort of see and hear about the work that you're doing. And most recently, I've actually just joined his team at Alpha Youth Australia. So you can't get mm. rid of me, Hugh. I'm just going to... I would never want to, Justine. You're such a blessing. <laughs> You're right. I reckon, you know what, 10, 12 years, something like that, when yep. I first met you down in uh, down in a school in Melbourne, in God's country. And then, yeah, yep. God's done incredible things since, which is so cool. Yeah, incredible things, including developing our fashion sense, which I'm so grateful for since then. <laughs> but Hugh... Yeah. <laughs> um, can you introduce yourself to our listeners and um, also maybe just walk us through what the last you know 10 12 years of serving in ministry in youth ministry has looked like because it's the journey you've been on has been quite incredible yeah it's been awesome and I think um, you know and just thank you yeah I think it's it's a it's been a, an adventure. It's been a bit of a, a crazy whirlwind. I would never have imagined um, that I would end up where I am. And I think that's the point of when you, just when you open to those little um, whispers often from God in terms of your life, like you can have a crazy adventure. Um, so for the past sort of 10 or 12 years, actually it goes back a little bit further than that. I actually, um, you know, I didn't really practice my faith growing up. Um, you know, I had a beautiful family. I loved my family, um, loved sport. I'm a true Australian and I've tried to play everything that I could possibly get my hand on, hands on and absolutely adored my friends, especially those, those that are in school. And, um, 
And it wasn't until, yeah, I was about 15 or 16, something like that, where I was given an opportunity to explore my faith in my school um, that I was just like, yeah. And I made this tiny little prayer in my kitchen at home, which was, um, God, if you're there, I need you. And I think I was probably raiding the fridge or something at the moment. And then from there, it just sent me on this massive trajectory. Um, again, nothing massive in terms of the, you know, the sky didn't you know, part and God didn't come down in a particular way. It was just much more around these doors that opened up. And um, yeah, the first door that opened up, I, I worked for a ministry um, which was leading a whole whole renewal across our Catholic schools, which is where I first met you, which was wonderful. Um, came into a parish youth minister role. And I worked for ACU and the Australian Catholic University for, you know, a couple of years just around forming our next generation of teachers, which was great fun mm. before moving into the Archdiocese in Canberra and Goulburn and essentially heading up their youth and young adult ministry there. For now, you know, one of those weird little knocks, um, those gentle whispers was about a year ago, um, just about coming into this space with Alpha. And after I'd seen it, you know, make such a huge impact in my archdiocese, I said, why not? This is such a perfect um, gift and a perfect tool for a renewal and for unity across our church. So if yeah. I can, if God's called me into that, why not give it a crack? Oh my gosh. And so for anyone who's currently listening to this podcast while you're raiding the fridge, um, you can give Say your the prayer. God, if you're there, I yeah. need you. <laughs> You'll be a youth minister. So there you go. <laughs> so awesome. And what a gift to Australia, um, the Australian church you've been in. And I kind of want to touch on what you what you ended on there because you know, this reality check, we are talking about Christian unity. Um mm. and um, so Alpha Australia isn't specifically a Catholic um, ministry. So you've worked in and through the Catholic Church up until now, but Alpha is more ecumenical, it's cross-denominational, and it's not specifically Catholic. So um, I suppose, can you tell our listeners um, a little bit about your heart behind, yeah, why you've decided to step into working for a Christian organisation? Um, and also if you want to tell us a little bit about what Alpha is about in there, that'd be cool too. So good. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, Alpha is you're, you're exactly right. You know, it started out of a, a church in England called Holy Trinity Brompton. That's an England, uh, an Anglican church. And it was about 30 something years ago now. And the um, impact, you know, from these two guys that said, yes, Nikki Gumbel and Sandy Miller, that, um, that just made the space, you know, for new people, for people that were exploring, that were seeking, that were questioning, that were hopeful, that were doubtful, um, to come in and to explore these big questions of faith, life and meaning. And the impact that that has had across the world with hundreds of, you know, over 160 countries have, have run an alpha course. There's, you know, millions of people have gone through this experience and had an, an opportunity to have a personal encounter with Jesus and to live that out in his church is huge. Mm -hmm. Just alone here in the in, in our country, there were 76,000 Australians last year did alpha. That's massive. And so <clears throat> I, I think at, at the bare bones of it, though, like you can talk about that and you can say there's an impact. But at the heart of it, it's just about making a space. You know, I think in the Catholic context, we really need that. Like our ecclesiology is sacramental and, and the sacraments are the source and the summit, especially mass of our of our faith. Um, and they're incredible meeting places between, you know, heaven and humanity where God, God sort of steps into our world and we can encounter him, which is amazing. But sometimes you need a space before that, you know, where you can invite anyone um, into to explore those questions. And Alpha is an incredible tool to do that. Um, I think, as I said, we, we had a crack at implementing it in our archdiocese at a bit more of a, um, a system-wide level last year and seeing that space made for young people, um, for older people, for leaders, for those that are coming into the faith through things like RCIA, 
um, and how this was common territory for all of them. It just blew my mind. And yeah. uh, I, I don't really know of anything else quite like it where not only does that does it do it in a, in a Catholic context, but then um, provide a space for um, other Christian sort of denominations and Christian leaders to have, you know, mutual territory um, and a common ground. And I think that's the thing for me. Why, why Alpha? Um, I always come back to this little, you know, reflection, which is ecumenism for the sake of ecumenism or unity for the sake of unity is pretty hard. Yeah, it is. But unity or ecumenism for the sake of a common mission is incredibly easy. Yeah. It is so, you know, and if you focus on where you're going, you know, and the mission that unites us, um, and if something like Alpha can be just a tool for that mission, yeah. then it's so easy, you know, in terms of saying, wow, there's so much more that unites us than divides us. Um, and I just go back to, you know, Jesus at the Last Supper, I think it's in John 17 or something like that, where he says, may they all be one. You know, and he's sitting there and he's talking with his disciples and he, that's his prayer mm. is that may they all be one. 2,000 years later, we aren't. Um, and I think that even though we've got one, we, we profess that in the creed, one holy Catholic and apostolic church is saying we are one with one mission and, and I think we just need to get on with it, you know, <laughs> and actually go and share this gift with the world that's in need. Yeah. <clears throat> Gosh, amen. And I think um, having I've only worked for Alpha with, with you for like two, not even two months now, but what I'm realizing is that it's not it's not really about Alpha. Um, their mission for unity is is at the core of what Alpha is about. But um, yeah, I like it's, it has nothing to do with Alpha and everything to do about a genuine belief that this is what Christ wants. And um, our big boss, Melinda Dwight. <laughs> In in my interview, I was blown away, blown away with the genuine respect and goodwill that she had towards the Catholic Church. Like she spent my whole interview talking about how important the Catholic Church is and her respect for for our expression and even she stumped me she said yeah I get that you love Jesus Justine that's really great but if you don't love the church and mm. she's like I'm talking about the whole church if you don't have a love for that and you don't have a desire to bring about unity in the whole church then perhaps this isn't the place for you so she mm. really means um, really means it beyond alpha that there is um, breakthrough to be found in Christian unity that's not tokenistic because I don't know about you but I've experienced a lot of like let's have an event and we'll invite all the Anglicans and Protestants and Catholics and uh, it's lovely but I mm. love what you said about that shared mission you know at the heart yeah. of who we are our charisma is the same you know and and this shared mission yeah sorry tangent but oh. you've, you've really inspired me um and it's in the mission. I mean, like, you know, a lot of, um, I feel like in, in terms of the, the arguments for it, like you just look at Jesus and um, you go back to Mark, I think it's Mark 9. And like one of my favourite scriptures is when the disciples come back to Jesus, they've been on mission. That's the point, like being out doing some good stuff. And, um, and then they come back and they're like, Jesus, we saw someone else who was casting out demons in your name. We tried to stop him because he doesn't follow us. Because he doesn't he doesn't journey with us um and then what did jesus do he says well, what are you doing like you know what i mean he says do not stop them um for if someone casts out or does a good deed in my name um i'm with them you know like they're, they're doing it under my authority and i think that's the thing is saying you look at the mission that's an active mission they're going out and actually taking on this apostolic tradition this this mission um mm -hmm. that jesus himself has begun yeah um, and you see that in the churches out. Some of these incredible, that, that's what is so inspiring is journeying alongside of these churches are actually such a force for good yes. in, in our world. You know? And I just come, I've come to a deeper appreciation of saying, wow, like our Christian brothers and sisters are, 
are doing such amazing work and I just want to come alongside and pray for them, you know, as Jesus would and support them in that common mission as he would as well. So good. And so um, I, I suppose then if you could give us a bit more detail in what ways is working with other Christian churches who are people, yeah. how has that experience actually enriched your Catholic faith and your, yeah. Oh, I love it. I think um, for me, I mean, I go back to a little quote that I had. I remember I was sitting down last um, <clears throat> last year with our Archbishop, the Anglican Bishop, Bishop Mark Shorten, in this uh, in my Archdiocese, the equivalent, the head of the Church's Council and some of the leaders from that Church's Council with um, some of the Alpha leaders. And we were just launching out for across the region, not just across our diocese. And it was really cool. And I just remember our Archbishop was sitting there and we were sort of casting vision and, and sharing a dream. And... Um, and then he said, well, yeah, I, what I don't want, uh, he goes, I want a fruit salad, not a minestrone soup. And everyone just like looked at him and just had a good laugh. And in typical Archbishop Christopher fashion, you know, he sort of captivated the room right there. And then, and what he went on and said, well, unity doesn't equal sameness. Um, and what he's saying is in mean, the minestrone soup, you don't know who's who, you don't know which one's the celery and which one's the carrot. And like, but what you want is a fruit salad where everyone can come with their own particular um, gift and their own particular you know, tradition in some respects and their own particular charism in others and say this is the common plate you know this is the common space and so I think for me you know how it's enriched me I look back and you know you look at we're just trying to live out I guess the aspirations of the second Vatican council which was an ecumenical council right and um, it talks in that in one of the decrees the decree on ecumenism it says that you can't have genuine ecumenism ecumenism worthy of the name without a change of heart and wow. i think that's been it for me is sort of having that sort of genuine change in heart saying it's a bit humbling sort of coming to a table where you or coming into a church context maybe where you have no idea like i go into an anglican you know leaders gathering or something i've got no idea and that's really humbling that's really actually really good um coming into alpha where everyone is is so loving but coming with such a vast wealth of knowledge and, and faith in a particular context yeah. it's humbling and so i think it first and foremost it, it requires a bit of change of heart in your heart and and a bit of a humble sort of check in terms of saying well, who am i coming into this what's the fruit i guess that i'm bringing to this plate and then how can i see the value and the worth in the other fruit that yeah. might not be the same as me yeah. but is less unified yeah i love that true ecumenism requires a change of heart and um i've just found it really refreshing like my yeah. I want to love Jesus more having stepped outside of my little bubble that I've been in in the, the Catholic circles for so long, which has been good and not always a bubble. It's been so refreshing hearing and seeing and experiencing different ways of and radical ways and incredible ways of making Jesus known through our Christian brothers and sisters. So, um, yeah. Um, Hugh, okay, so just for everyday real-life people, um, you know, who maybe don't even work in ministry, perhaps we do. Um, mm. What are some practical ways? Uh, I know that you do a lot in, in your life of bringing different churches together outside of your role at Alpha through your role at the Archdiocese, but um, how can we work towards Christian unity? Yeah, it's great. I think there's probably three things that jump out to my mind. One of them is, um, and you go back to, again, go back to Jesus. He's the great unifier. Um, I think the first one is, um, like who he invited at the table. Mm. And I think that's the, that's that, the, that's the question for me. Um, when I first started out, just kind of exploring 
I guess, um, you know, ecumenical gatherings and common mission and that sort of stuff. I had a very different mindset. And this is, I think, the change of heart was saying, well, actually, we just got to get on and do it. Let's just plan the event. Let's just get there and try and get as many churches at the table. And I just realized um, very quickly that that is the complete wrong way to do it. Mm-hmm. At first, you got to invite them to the table and have a genuine friendship with them and actually get to know the other the other person. And so if you're there and you're saying, I don't even know where to begin, it's just go and invite someone over for a meal or go and invite and build a genuine friendship with these yeah. these other um, you know Christians that are in your life or in your community. They will be there. Um, and I think that's that's one of the biggest learnings is I just genuine first genuinely form a friendship before the mission. Um, and I think I see that. I see that with some of the other um, sort of Pentecostal church leaders here in Canberra, the Anglican church leaders. I see that with some of these um, incredible ministries like YWAM Youth with a Mission or Red Frogs or these other sort of um, forces for good in our community. They're doing great work, but the people, um, I just value those friendships more than nearly any other. So the friendship is first. The second one is, I think, prayer. Um, you know what Jesus said, wherever two or more are gathered in my name, I'll be there. Um, he didn't say where two or more Catholics are gathered in my name. He said just wherever two or more are gathered in my name. And so just genuinely pray with them, pray for them, um, and just lift them all up in prayer. And I think that's the one thing that can really unite us. Yeah. And then I think the third one is just find a find a common territory. For us, it's been amazing seeing, for example, our universities, which are just like this melting pot where mm. you can just you have like there is so much mission there that like you kind of can't think about it. You've just got to get on with it. And so finding that common space now that might be like in your workplace, that might be you know on your street, like that might be your equivalent of your mission field. But just find something small where you can you can do it together. Yeah. Um, and it might just be, you know, might just be how you treat people and agreeing to how you treat people when you walk into the cafe or whatever that might be. But I think those three things, the first one is a friendship. The second one is the prayer. And the third one is those small acts of common mission. That's the, that's the basis of it all. I love that so much. And I think embedded in all of that, well, just to add on another one, perhaps is just watch your language. Like there's a lot of us yeah. and them and yes, there are differences, but hello, like, <laughs> We love Jesus and there are plenty of Christians I've met who probably do, who love Jesus more than I do. Um, So just our language of us and them doesn't really exist, you know, and I love that language of creating the space and sharing at the table. Like there can't be division at the table in your home. You know, there's, I just, I really, really love that. And I think that's awesome practical insight. And, um, and I just really admire the work that you're doing for that church in Australia and you're someone who I know doesn't you don't wait for permission to start something new um I think which is really inspiring and I think you're on the threshold of um I don't know what true ministry looks like in Australia what true ecumenism looks like in Australia we haven't even had time to go you know into detail about you know you launched this event called the embassy um Mm. I feel like I've blubbed on too much in this and our poor listeners probably have to get on with um, with their lives as well. But um, honestly, thank you so much for your time um, with us today on the Catholic Influences podcast. Um, we talked a little bit about Alpha today. Uh, mm. Sorry, not sorry. But if, um, if someone's interested in finding out a little bit more about Alpha, it is an international movement, um, but especially mm. for those who are Aussie-based, where can they go uh, to find more info? Yeah, I love it. I think um, it's 
it depends on your context as well. Like we, we would 100% want a journey with you in, in terms of from Alpha and our family. We've got people who are leading, you know, the school-based context, such as whether it's in a Catholic context um, or in just a Christian independent school. We've got guys that go into the prisons. We've got guys that focus in on church renewal. And I just wanted to say and stress that wherever you're, wherever you're coming from listening to this, we would just love to journey with you. Um, just head over to alpha.org.au and you can access all of the resources. They're 100% free, all of the training and the coaching opportunities as well. And then you scroll down and you can say connect with us and you can, you know, just connect in with one of us and our team would love to journey with you over the coming weeks and months. So that website again, alpha.org.au or follow us on socials, which is alpha youth underscore Oz. Um, and you can like stay up to date with all of our TikTok and all that sort of, it's good fun. <laughs> we've, got a, we've got a million on TikTok, views on one of our TikToks and everyone is celebrating that, which is so good. So go and check that out as well. That'd be awesome. Oh, man, it's been such a joy and I kind of want to keep the conversation going and I encourage listeners Keep this conversation going. If something challenged you, awesome. You know, if something <laughs> grinded your gears, awesome. I would say lean into that. And I really um, challenge you to pray for this unity because I really believe, as I'm sure you do, Hugh, that there is a breakthrough to be found um, when we genuinely seek pray for and live out Christian unity. So thank you so much for, for being that example. Um, and also just for your time on the podcast today. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, everyone. Thanks. We'll see you next week. Thanks so much to Justine for organizing that interview for us. What a wonderful topic. And I really hope that you got something out of that as much as we did. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can do so at Catholic Influencers underscore on Instagram facebook.com forward slash catholic influences youtube.com forward slash frg ministry everything podcast is at our website www.podcast.frgministry.com forward slash podcast um, and we hope that you can join us next week for episode 13 watch god. out for the budgies <laughs> god bless <laughs> bye bye and protect your little toes bye